Hello and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Welcome back to Moments with Moni, and this is your host, Moni. I'm so glad that you will be able to listen in to the Zoom conversation I had with Laura Paget. You will enjoy her laughter, her joy, as she shares her testimony with us today. Laura lived a life that was a bit difficult. Her parents were alcoholics, but she learned that even though people told her that she didn't matter, she didn't count, she was loved by God. And that changes your whole world. It gives you a whole new outlook. Now with COVID and fires around her, as I spoke with her on Zoom, she shared this acronym with me of REST, relying entirely upon spirit teaching. Laura shares her insights on her blog at Live in What You're Given, but today she'll be sharing it with us. Enjoy. You look wonderful in all that heat and smoke. I tell you, I, my husband and, uh, is a hunter, and so they're getting ready to start just scouting. And uh, I said, well, this will be, if you get an animal, it'll be smoked. And we won't have to, we won't have to process it. We'll just have smoked elk or moose or whatever they're going after this year. So <laughs> there's always a good side, Monica. Yes, there is. Got to look for the joy in everything, don't you? <laughs> I'm not always that joyful. Some days I get up and I'm, I just feel down, you know? Oh. This fire thing. Oh, my heavens. And, and oh, it, it, there are six, five or six big fires in our country, in our state right now, Colorado. Yeah. Well, we don't have the smoke of it here yet. And I'm sorry. I know it's nasty and it's so hot for North Idaho that I'm wilting today. So excuse my outlook. <laughs> I'm just comfortable. Oh, you look grand, Lassie. You're just looking grand over there. Oh, I love the accent. Where's that from? Okay. So my, my father, I'm going to tell you the story. My father was Italian and my mother's Scottish and Irish. <laughs> yes. And that's okay. The look of sympathy is accepted and warranted. <laughs> and uh, it's illegal, I think, in Colorado now. But um, anyway, uh, we, we we actually grew up really more on the Italian side. But um, I started falling in love with my Celtic roots years ago. That's when I became an Irish dancer. And oh. I tell you, we I discovered we were primarily Scottish. So we went to Scotland. And I've done an awful lot of research on my family, on my clan, on all things Scottish. Um, and I love it. Yeah. So is that where God planted you in this world? In Scotland? Yeah. Oh, I wish. No, I'm, but I will tell you, I'm one of the living people who's seen Nessie. <laughs> okay, then. I have a picture. picture. Uh -huh. I do. Oh, oh and, um, beautiful. Look at this. Everyone on the podcast, look at that picture of Nessie. You actually got one. I know. Everyone says it's a shadow, but they don't know anything. So it's really messy. But um, God, I think, had used the Celtic roots as an amazing, and we'll talk about it, 
Irish, the Celtic roots um, drew me to Irish dance. Mm -hmm. And when I was in that world and I competed all over and I did shows all over, um, I met a lot of Scots and I fell in love with mm -hmm. my Scottish friends. So then we went back to Scotland and spent a month, one year. Wow. And I just love it. Yes. Oh, my husband's of English roots. He's almost 90, I think he's almost 100% English, Scottish, you know, that air, I don't know. And then my son is Scottish, Irish, Italian, Latino. And I mean, the kid is like the UN on two, two legs. <laughs> so it's what it's wonderful. And he loves all of his heritages. Um, yeah. So that's me. You can ask me anything. I don't care. I'm, my story is here for you. It's here for my sisters and brothers. And it's here for the people who don't know Jesus. Because my story is about a little girl who didn't know Jesus. So oh, I there think we, we are. all start that way, don't we? So I think we do. Yeah. So where did God plant you when you entered this world? Where were you born? Denver, Colorado. Really? Mile High City. Oh, That's right at uh, Rose Memorial Hospital. And uh, yes, 1951 in June, I'm the middle of three daughters. Oh, mm -hmm. Nice, the middle child. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider yourself, let me give you a, an icebreaker here. I don't know if you really need one, but are you, do you consider yourself tech savvy? Next question. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I, I'm learning. In fact, I'm talking tonight to a group of writers, and uh, I'm so excited about what God has brought me into learning about the tech world because of our podcasting association, and also because I'm being called to do some interesting things that require, I learn Zoom, I learn Facebook Live, I learned how to upload to um, a church that's asked me to be a storyteller via Zoom and then upload it. So yes, I'm getting savvy, but I'm not yet. And catching up is just not a goal because it's unreasonable. You never catch up on that stuff. But I think I'm pretty good. Good for you. Yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm, I don't want to be left behind. But yes, there's so much coming at you that's new and exciting to learn. There's just is it fun? Curves. Isn't it? it it's fun. It. It's fun. It's okay. Yeah. So another one, what would the title of your autobiography be? www.flyingbytheseatofmypants.com <laughs> Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, the subtitle could be Poe Buddies Nerfed. Because that's my big thing is I, I do a lot of work with women's groups on uh, dismissing the perfectionism that just is a malignancy that's killing us. Killing yeah. us. Yes. yes. I have to ask you just on a personal note, have you ever done the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test? Uh, no, I've done an Enneagram, which oh. I guess there's controversy around. I don't know much about it really. Uh, but I remember I was um, Myers-Briggs. I'm sure I'd be a, a, is that the extrovert introvert thing? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So I always tell people on the extrovert scale from one to 10, I'm probably somewhere around 30. Yeah. And um, that's, that's just fine. I've just come to accept that. I scare some people and I get that. And so sometimes I try to be gentle and calm. And uh, after about five minutes, I'm bored silly. So I don't. I get it. I get it. I'm right there with you. She's my baby. And it's okay. It's okay to be you and to be different. God made us all different, right? I think so. 
I think he did. Uh, he's a very creative and brilliant. If he wasn't creative, he could have done the cookie cutter and it would have said, well, you know, I just can't come up with anything new today. But I don't think he did that and he doesn't do it. Speaking of uh, creative, he sure sprinkled a lot of that on you, didn't he? Well, I don't know, love. I see myself as the canvas <laughs> yeah. and that uh, he's a great artist. So whatever medium we're painting in today is fine with me, whether it's dance or you know, storytelling or uh, writing or podcasting, which I'm so excited about getting that going, as you know, mm -hmm. and uh, needing your help. I'm begging, begging. And we'll we talk about that later on. Okay. But uh, I think he's pointing me in a direction of doing some. And so that's very excited. And I, I just have never seen myself as a, um, what do you say this? Uh, we're talented girl. I see myself as somebody who's just insatiably curious. Yes. <laughs> and so jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. it. I did. Although I have very, I've been very blessed with awards in dance and writing and, and academics. So um, to God be the glory for that because. Um, Amen. Yeah. I didn't start out doing any of that stuff. So uh, yeah. I'm guessing we're both ENFPs, but I'll have to get ENFP. my son in on this. <laughs> oh, get your son in. I, if I'm an ENFP, I need to know what it means because I get a lot of acronyms thrown at me on Facebook, and I, I don't think they are good things. It, well, this is, I think it's a good thing. We, we like to look at people from a, it's okay point of view. You can be who good. you are, and I'm happy with that. And the world is full of roses and rainbows. Yes. Or at least we like yes. to think that. Yes. And I also think this comes in my world, and I'll just tell you about this now. Um, I think this comes in my world because I've had so many people, including my parents, who were um, alcoholics and addicted. Mm -hmm. And the pain of living through that, I do write about that some in my book, um, one of my books, that as I've grown up, and I've learned how to rely on God and understanding he put me in the family he wanted me in for a reason. It wasn't to punish me, but it took me years to understand that. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is I love them. Yes. Drunk or sober, I love them. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't put up the abuse. No, no, I do not do that. No, I won't do that. But I have learned through the addictions of others in my world how to love unconditionally. And that's been my lesson, my walk in my own recovery. So that's who I am. And actually, those are the people I'm called to speak to many, many times on many levels. So, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful way of sharing the transformation already in your heart. Um, so could you paint a little bit of that picture before you met Jesus and he transformed you? I sure can. Um, I, was, I grew up in a Denver. Uh, my parents were, were both, um, they were lovely people. My mother was um, a very, edu not educated, but very, very smart woman. Unfortunately, she was a child of the 20s and 30s. So this is 19, 20 and 30. I better clarify that, GOP. Yes. Um, right? It's like, you know, you remember, happy birthday, Methuselah, love mom. Uh, but, you know, she... Uh, was, was denied the right for her gender to go to law school. And uh, so 
I think that played a lot into her um, unhappiness with life and uh, the choices she made, although genetics have also taught us that alcoholism is within families, and her dad was an alcoholic. So my mother and father were both alcoholics. Um, they did their very best, Monica, to take care of us, but um, I think by today's standards, there'd be a lot of things that possibly would have rendered social services action. Mm -hmm. However, um, my religious background, spiritual background, was none because my father was of one faith and my mother was of another, and she was divorced. And in those days, that particular church of my father's would not allow her in and uh, would not accept us. So we, and they excommunicated him as well. So even though my dad tried to get them to accept us and bring us in, what we heard was they're not legitimate. We do not recognize them and they will not ever find a place in the kingdom of God. Hmm. Now, my two sisters believe that. But I just have always been a little too stubborn, I guess, for my own good. And I used to sit out on the fence when I was about nine or 10 and fighting was going on and craziness in the house. And I'd, I'd watch the sky and I'd say, I know there, there gotta be something up there. You know, my friends that go to church tell me about this. Who are you? And I'll never forget the day that two jet streams crossed in the sky mm. and I saw it and I knew it, but I didn't know how to do anything about it. So as I grew up, I decided that the cross in the sky wasn't for me mm -hmm. and he didn't want me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why I was left in the family. That's why the things happened to me that happened to me. But when I was 26 years old, I left Denver to come over to Montrose where I now live. Whole nother interesting story there. And um, here through the series of testimonies, and um, a Damascus experience one night when I literally felt the nails in my wrists and my feet and I got up screaming, who are you? Who are you? Leave me alone. Um, and beginning to read a Bible that a friend had left for me. Um, I began to ask, okay, who is this guy? And it still took me several weeks before, um, I, it was a King James Version. And I was a child who, <laughs> in college, my first year in college, I tested reading level at sixth grade. And uh, I don't know if it was dyslexia or ADD, I don't know. But I, I wasn't a good reader. And so King James liked to, you know, as the Brits like to say, just knock me off my onion. I had no clue. So I went to a friend and he gave me an NIV. Mm. And there it was. And um, several weeks later in my bedroom, uh, and I talk about it in this sunlight coming through a window, I, I, I accepted him. I said, okay. But I mean, I was still a mess. I was still a mess. And uh, then a few weeks later, I went to church, kicking and screaming, by two of my best friends who still live here in Montrose, paddleboard buddies now. And um, they took me to church. And it was there I met Dolores Gross, Dolores and Trevor. And it was Dolores and Trevor who walked me into a life of faith. No judgment. I mean, I, I smoked like a chimney. They knew I was doing marijuana. They knew I was drinking. Never judgment until it was time for God to release me from those things. But they took me everywhere. They, they called me their daughter. 
No one ever called me their doctor. My own parents never called me my, their doctor. And they became the parents I never had. And for 35 years, I had a relationship with this woman. And uh, she was 101 when she died. Hmm. And that's when I wrote the book, Dolores Like the River. Because I wanted people to see that it doesn't matter where you come from. The hound of heaven was guiding me all the time. And he was dancing with me even when I refused to hear the music. And he was saying, you know what? You're mine. You're mine. And I won't lose you. And uh, they taught me that. So that's how I met him and, and uh, began my walk. And uh, so for 35 years, she taught me. And she went through a divorce with me. I divorced my first husband. Um, and then I met Keith and uh, she supported me in every single thing I did. She didn't like a lot of what I did, but she loved me unconditionally. And those were the hands, feet, heart and words and of Christ. You see, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm old, I forget. But who said, always preach the gospel. And when necessary, use the words. These people preached the gospel to me. Uh, they lived it. And uh, we lost Trevor 10 years before Dolores. But when she died, uh, I knew I had to write her story. So that's what I did. That's beautiful. Uh, yes, we are the hands and feet of God. And I'm so glad that someone was out there to show you grace. A lot of times before we meet Jesus and, you know, friends and neighbors who don't know him, they feel like they can't even get near a church or the building because the walls might fall down because they've done so much wrong in their own eyes or been told that they've been done so much wrong. And yet I know God, God knows he's already seen it and he loves you and wants you in his arms. You're his. And he says, that's right. I always tell people, Monica, I always say, there was only ever one perfect one and look what they did to him. So don't be so worried about perfect. Good. And uh, cause they didn't accept him either. And in fact, his perfection and his, his beauty was such a, a thorn in their side that, you know, he, boy, he, he had a fight, but my main thing for doing my writing, my speaking, I hope my podcast, when we get that on, will be to say, I didn't come here to call. I didn't come here to preach to the choir. Yeah. I came here to cheer on those who felt they'd never be included to sing. And that's who I am. And that's what I bring people. I hope that they, um, I pray every time I talk to somebody or mentor somebody in, and I have a couple of friends right now who have walked completely away, not just from church, but from Christ. They're done. They mm -hmm. say, but we know they're not. We know he's not done with them. And that's the real important thing here. So, um, but you know, we have lovely conversations and uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing the same thing that's been done for you. The exactly. comfort that we've been given, we can give to others. God tells us that in his word. Yeah. You are a blessing to those around you. I also know that you use many of your talents to uh, draw others to him, but you do have a hidden talent, I think. That is? Well, I heard you dress up as something. Oh, that Eric Nevins. You know <laughs> he tells everybody. I love you, Eric, but I'm going to tell I'm an owl. You're an owl? I know. I know. See these ears? <laughs> and um, yeah, but actually I'm retired captain of the elves. 
in Denver area. We had a group called uh, Rebels Without a Clause. <laughs> and uh, we went to children's homes. We went to benefits. We helped businesses um, at Christmas time. We did parades. They were all dancers. We had a lovely uh, two little dances we did and got the crowds involved. Um, we were at places like Tennyson Center, which is a home for neglected children. We had... Um, Gosh, so many invitations, we couldn't keep up. We were in homeless shelters with Santa. And um, and again, I've written a lot of those stories and put them in my, my second book. And I'm not trying to plug my books. I'm just saying God gave me yeah. these stories to tell people about being an elf. Because it's ridiculous. If you see us, and the pictures are on my uh, Facebook page, um, which is ridiculous, people. And we, um, I always ask people when they say, I want to be an elf, I always ask them, well, you have to have some prereqs. So they get very serious, you know. And they look at me and I say, first of all, do you give a hoot about what people actually think of you <laughs> in terms of being recklessly joyful? No, ma'am, I don't. Good. Do you have two people in your family that you would consider criminally insane? Yes, I do. <laughs> You're in elves. <laughs> More elves. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. Everybody could do that. <laughs> Everybody can help. And um, I did retire last year. I'm still the captain, but uh, retired captain. I don't know if I'll start it over here. I already have a lady who wants me to elf around. It's hard to elf alone, though. I'd rather have friends to elf with me. But it is a ministry. Yeah. And the way it became a ministry was dancing with dying children, going into homes of the neglected, the unwanted, and being loved on, uh, them, us loving them, them loving us, of uh, being in a homeless shelter where a little boy once asked me, Ms. Elf, he's missing his two teeth, you know, up here, he said, Ms. Elf, is Christmas for me too this year? He was seven. Never had Christmas. A homeless. And uh, that is a ministry that I, I never expected God. I just thought it was going to be a kick, a hoot, and a holler, and let's go crazy. It wasn't. Mm. It wasn't. It was some of the most sacred work I've ever done. And um, the women on the team, too, um, most are believers. Some are not. That's, that's just fine. But uh, have told me stories of the transformation in their lives because of the work and uh, the golden transcript in up in Golden, Colorado, as well as Lakewood and several other big papers over there, uh, wrote a story about us last year. They called it Elves on the Loose, which was fun. But we got into what uh, we believe the true work was for us to do. Uh, it wasn't just kids, it was adults because Christmas is a tough time. It's gonna be really tough no matter what. Um, because of money and demands and pressures. We've lost the point. We've completely lost the plot, mm -hmm. as the Brits say. And um, the faces of strain in those crowds, the faces. But they see us and it's like, oh, holy crimey, for an hour they can be insane. They'd come dance with us. They'd take pictures with us. We were in restaurants. We'd do, do gigs in restaurants and people would come up and take pictures with us. And it, 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 these are grown-ups. And and we're ridiculous. Our eyelashes are the best part. They all are long and have hearts on them. And um, yeah, it's a, it's quite a ministry. Yes, I, I can see that we all need a chapter of elves in each of our communities. You do. But if we don't, 
there's nothing stopping us from watching out for around us for any opportunity to share Jesus, to share joy, to share love, and to draw people in with his grace. Because we know that our hearts have been transformed from an ugly, selfish life into wanting to share this love and pour it out on others around us. I so appreciate that in your life, Lauren. I can't. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I also say, well, Laura, how do you feel about uh, doing this or doing that? And I, one of the things I taught the elves, and I hope they'll continue on without me in Denver, is you have to have enough. This is rule for Miss Laura. You have to have enough sense to say no sometimes because we could not be stretched so thin that we could not be present in the moment when we were to minister to the children and the adults who needed us. So that was one of the lessons that I learned in Elfine and I hope I shared it with my team. They're all, uh, you know, lovely, beautiful women. Some retired, some not, um, some still working. And they would, oh my goodness, we had dance practices. And I mean, we, we worked hard to be elves and sewed costumes and went crazy with makeup and what have you. But um, that was the one thing is you really, really um, had to be present. It was so easy to get caught up in the egotistical, everybody wants us, we're stars, you know, we're elves. Mm -hmm. But our purpose was to minister to others. And you cannot do that when you, and our churches do this constantly. I'm sorry, but they do. And they pull us to the point of a rubber band. And it's hard not to say, yes, okay, I'll do that. But one of the things we learned was how to limit us. And so even with that, we still had about, in two months from the end of November until the beginning of January, we usually still had about 15 events. But there were so many of us that we could separate out. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to read this book when it comes out. I'm sure it's out. It's, it I, well, so it's called Jesus in Shorts, 25 Short Stories of Life-Changing Moments. Oh. It, has, it has a lot of work about what God has taught me. Mostly, um, I always tell people when I talk about this book, I, have, I fall more than I'll ever fly. And a lot of it is just getting with Jesus and saying, dude, I really messed up. He's like, yeah, that's okay, but let's do this now. Uh, the lead story is called uh, Can't Talk to a Numb Tongue. Um, and it was in written, let's see, 2016, I wrote it. The book was published in 2018. And uh, it was about sitting in the dentist chair, you know, how much fun that is. And they had numbed my mouth up to where my tongue no, it wouldn't work. And my little hygienist said, oh, it's okay, Laura. It's hard to talk to a numb tongue. But I was suffering that day from guilt in having been in an argument politically with a friend I've had for probably 40 years. And we have always been on different sides of the aisle and we respect and love each other. But that day we went at it, the day before that appointment, we went at it. Hammer and tongs, she's a sister. And boy, was I in guilt. And it reminded me when she said that, and God said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, let's go home and read James. Mm -hmm. Because it is about how numb our tongues are when we are out there, sometimes defending our postures, our positions, our politics, our whatevers, but forgetting that the real thing is how we are to treat one another. Indifference, 
And that's, that's hard right now. That's hard. And I, I don't want to go on those, that stage, but I'm just telling you, that was the lead story. And when I said that story to the man who published the book, he loved it. He said, let's go with this. And so uh, it's crazy stories. Everything from being a crazy elf, my secular dance experiences as an Irish step dancer, um, as a, as a uh, soloist uh, many times, but also as a team member, elf stories. Um, just there's 25 short stories of things I've learned over my life. Dolores is in there. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And the, one of my most favorite stories is about my mama's wedding ring. You see that? You yeah. see that ring? Yeah. That was said to me. I didn't see her the last 10 years of her life. And she was estranged and uh, had a lot of bitterness there, you think. And uh, God brought the ring. I don't even know how they found me. But they found me and they sent the ring and uh, how it was restored and how I learned that uh, no matter how broken we are, God will restore us. This ring taught me that. I wear it every day. And uh, yeah, so that's a story that's in there. And that was what started my writing career years ago. It was a national prize winner um, by Zulon Press. And so that's in there. But there's lots of stories. My life in the operating room, um, so many things that God told me to sit down and write. So that's my second book and I'm excited. It was out in 2018, so yeah. Beautiful, another beautiful story. So you, got, it sounds like God has given you a lot to do in your life and you were mentioning how important it is to uh, kind of say your best yes. So where do you find your rest? Ah, uh -huh. oh, lovely. I'm so glad you asked that question. Well, Let's talk about COVID, shall we? Just for a second. Okay. Um, because coming over here, 250 miles away, we moved in March. We wanted to come back to Montrose. I've always wanted to come back here. I knew this was where I met the Lord, and, and this was my home, really. And uh, got here, got all settled in, got the, you know. Well, everything closed, didn't it? So as a professional author, speaker, and dance teacher, I was kind of doing a lot of stuff wasn't I? I was uh, teaching dance. I was, uh, blah, 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 blah. and so I thought, okay, everything's closed down, and this would be a great time for me to just kind of get myself together in the house. Well, when it didn't go away in two weeks, I got jumpy, and I'm, this is what I'm talking about tonight to some of my writer friends, and I told God now, oh, you know, first of all, he doesn't text, which that's annoying. But I said to him, you know, I kind of didn't answer here because I have a closet full of books and I have bills to pay and I need and I want and I need to have. And he said to me, rest. Well, this is how I rested. I took my stopwatch out there. So, okay, you got five minutes, God, I'm resting, go. And it, the foot. Did it work? Always, no, it did not. But what happened was I, instead of every day, I would start going out there and saying, well, this is not so bad. Well, all right, I can deal with this. I got my chai. I'm good. Soon, the rest was something I look forward to. And what I learned in there, someday, you know, my husband goes fishing. Tomorrow's his fishing day, and that's a rest day for me. And that means a day, no phone, no computers, no nothing, just sitting with God, me and God. That's how it went from five minutes with stopwatch and the foot, let's go, yes. to I can't wait to be hanging out with you. And what I learned in there was a wonderful acronym 
for rest, relying entirely upon spirit teaching. There was the gift. It wasn't at the end of the rest because I was obedient. I was, well, reluctantly obedient, but because he wanted me to have the gift of his rest. So when I get it, boy, I see, in fact, it was kind of sad. Three weeks ago, Keith was going fishing, my husband, and uh, something happened, and he forgot to tell me they weren't going. So at 7 o'clock, I'm there with this lunch, and I'm all like, okay, going fishing, I'll see ya, bye. He's like, I'm not going. My face fell as if somebody had just told me <laughs> that I had to dye my gray hair. I said to him, I said, what do you mean you're not going? Go, get out, do something. Here's my husband, come on. His little face fell. And he said, you don't want me around? I'm like, well, this whole Velcro thing, you know, honey, 24-7 in this house. But I said to him, it's my rest day. So it was, it was painful for both of us. We had to inventory that. And God said, I didn't say amputate yourself from your husband. I said, so now I just kind of take it where I can get it. And I sit out on my back porch and watch the hummingbirds. And I listen to the beautiful sounds in the trees of the aspen. And I understand that I'm walking and listening. And I, I don't, never did that very well as this ridiculous extrovert. Always had to be going, always had to be doing, always had to be producing. And, you know, I came from doing three speaking engagements a month to, um, and selling lots of books. Well, I know what lots is. Um, after a while, you run out of family that you're blackmailing and, you know, I'm going to get my book or I'm going to tell Edith about that sweater. Um, but I, I look forward to it now. And I, I can't wait. And I don't care if the dishes don't get done. I don't care if the laundry's stacked up. I don't care if the house is full of ash, which it is right now. I just want my rest because I need to learn back to rely. And in this day and age right now, reliance is the only thing we got. Mm -hmm. That's all. Mm -hmm. That's all we got. <laughs> sure sounds like God has brought that. This verse keeps coming to mind as you're speaking about your life around you. And when you rest, you look at nature. And I'm the same way. So the verse, the heavens declare the handiwork of God is really a special one for me. And it sounds like he's done the same work in your heart. Oh, you know what? Sometime when we're not on, on Zoom or podcast, let's get together on a Zoom and I'll teach you a dance to that from Marty Hogan. La -dee 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 -da 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 -dee -dee. I can't sing, but it's the heavens declare the glory of God. And I'll teach you. It's so easy. It's because it has to be easy for me nowadays. You know, I'm 70 years old, warranty's up, all parts falling off, but <laughs> I am easy. I'm an easy dancer now. Uh, you know, I'm no longer an Irish dancer, no longer doing some of that stuff, but I have learned my ministry of sacred dance. That's one thing I really miss. So I might be doing some of those on Facebook Live or whatever, but oh, I love that song. And I've done it with uh, teams and I've done it solo and it's joyful. And yes, it declares. I'd love to go do it up to the Black Canyon. If y'all don't know where that is in Colorado, it's a fabulous mm -hmm. thing. Oh, thanks for mentioning that, that song. I think I'll go listen to it. Gotta go, bye. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, are we not supposed to say wow? Okay, I'll write that down. No, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speechless. You've got me speechless. And as a podcaster, that's not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, forgive no, no, me, no, please. 
it's a good thing for drawing it out of you. Just not, it doesn't reflect well on me, does it? Oh, I think, you're, I think you're doing brilliantly. I'm watching you. I, and I've listened to a couple others and um, I was so grateful the other day when I saw, started to see the list of other people. So I've been getting on and subscribing because um, I need to learn so much from you guys. I mean, obviously I'm animated and I, I do a lot physically with my um, myself to promote, my Lord and show his joy. But you know, I also did a radio show for th uh, two years in Denver and it was called the artist nook. We were on internet as international. I had about 45,000 people listening and that was because of the station, not me. They had a lot of listeners and we did, we talked about artists. Uh, we talked about different artwork. I talked everywhere from, you know, New York and Chicago to California, and then a lot of locals there in Denver. So um, that's kind of the format. I, yeah, I'm used to it, but I can actually do um, stuff just vocally too. I can. Uh, Italian people can't do much without their hands, so that's a challenge, but I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I'm German and I use my hands. It's a good thing that we do. I think it's I think it's more not just the nationality, but being of that Eastern world. We speak yep. with our hands. We're more passionate than Americans are. Americans, I've had to tone it down. Coming from a German family, you know. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, a husband. Call me up and we'll tone it up. All right. All right. We'll do, we'll do our Zoom up. That's what we'll call it. It's kind of like Zumba, but it's not. And yeah, we'll just be, uh, because we need joy right now and we need each other. And um, yeah. I'm excited to meet a kindred soul. And I guess being passionate is, is uh, I'm not sure why it's looked upon. So um, Laura, sit down. Don't put your, Laura, stop using your hands. Laura. Yeah, I heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, such is life. It is so, but that's okay. God made us. I think different. we're. That's right. We're okay. He made us, and he he didn't make everybody alike. And my husband is just the opposite. Super calm, super cool dude, and uh, and I learn a lot from him too. But we always say that you know our marriage. Uh, we're going on twenty eight years now, and um, second marriage for both of us. His first wife unfortunately was killed, and um, then of course I divorced. And, uh, you know, I always like to say he keeps me centered and I teach him to fly. So we got it good. <laughs> and does he know Jesus too? Oh boy. Yes. Oh yes. He does. I met him in church. He invited my son and I to go for a lovely uh, dinner of Mexican food. There used to be a, a wonderful uh, restaurant there in Denver. I'm not sure. It's called the Blue Bonnet down in South Denver. I don't know if it was still, I don't know if we can even say that, but it was a restaurant. It was good Mexican food. And he called up and said, would you and Gabriel like to go to dinner? And I said, well, um, Gabriel's with his father this weekend, uh, so it would just be me. And he said, hmm, can I get back to you on that? I knew this is my guy. <laughs> this is my guy. <laughs> but he knows that we met, we met in church yeah yeah awesome so you do uh do you attend a church right now in the area we are uh, no uh, there's not a no, lot okay. of attending and one of the reasons is this is a very highly um populated with senior area i didn't say that very well but there are a lot of seniors here so we are jumping 
we are nervous. Uh, some people call us faithless. That's fine. But if that's the worst thing I've ever been called, why I'll consider myself, uh, you know, very lucky. But um, seniors are high. Um, we are at high risk and we know it. And so we wear our masks. We socially distance. We do not go to crowds. People can do whatever they want, but this is what we're doing. And our little community has a tremendous amount of catering for us. So certain hours are only seniors to shop, which I know is elsewhere as well. But for us, that ain't going away. And so we, we go out at 7 a.m. and shop, and we're fine with that because none of us sleep anyway. And um, we just, uh, I've looked at a few, and uh, I'm still very involved with my church back in Lakewood. And the, we'll be doing some storytelling for the wee ones. I used to give a lot of children's sermons, and I always had my stuffed toys and, you know, my puppets and what have you. And... Um, so I'm going to be doing those and doing them on Zoom, which I learned how to do the other day. Oh, and that. Wonderful. Yay! And uh, I'm a team of about six people, and we're going to be rotating doing uh, applications for scripture and uh, life lessons of dependence upon God and fear and um, sadness and bullying and the things that our kids honestly live with every day and how, and I use my 1969 Volkswagen Leonard in these stories uh, because he has so much to say. Allegory is one way we can teach our children and, uh, and our adults. You know, uh, Leonard gets away with things I can't. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says things and kind of points his bumper at people and they love it. So uh, he'll be involved in a lot of the stories. The kids loved him. They love Leonard. And uh, these are kids that knew us, knew me, knew. And uh, so that, what, a, what a brilliant idea this was that my, uh, one of my friends came and said, let's do this. So we got this group together and we're all kind of shuffling around to see who's going to teach when. And, and they're just little snippets, you know, Monica, they're just tiny little snippets. And uh, hi, I'm Miss Laura, and I have a word for you today from our, from our great Savior. And then you tell them a story, and then you relate it back to the Bible. But Jesus says, mm -hmm. Amen. How fun. Yes. Is that fun? Oh, that fun? absolutely. I know I used to do tours through, uh, walk through the Bible with wow. children and families. Oh. Our whole church would set it up, and then I'd take tours through there and show them the different stations of, you know, uh, Abraham's life or Noah and they get to or walk through the big fish for the Jonah story and it was wonderful time but now having to do things more remotely online we just get creative and I think people like us we get to use the creativeness and the strange peculiar way that God has given us <laughs> to use for him I it's know for such a time as this yes and born yes Yes. And I also am real blessed to be a mentor to a couple of young writers. And uh, we meet uh, once a week on uh, Zoom or over the phone. And, um, and we're, we're working on um, lessons from nature right now, like hummingbirds, flowers, and uh, writing into what Jesus is telling us through nature. Um, so that's a blessed role to be a mentor to a young writer. Yeah. yeah. Yes, always good to share what God has given us with those. Right. Yes, with others. They're not our gifts. No. See, these are not for us. Uh, we, we woke up and, and God gifted us and said, make that go. 
multiply. And I think that's the, the story of the talents. I'm not so sure it's about money. Um, I think it's about the actual, you know, we're going to, I'm going to gift you with everything so you can show me, but you need to show me. And it can't be about, and this is what I teach my sacred dancers. Uh, I teach them when you are a secular dancer, it's all about you. It's about precision. It's about being on point. If you're on point, it's about perfection. When you are dancing with and for God, it is not, it is D none of the above. Because it's about him. And he does, uh, if we're doing a team thing, it does matter if we're together, whatever. But it is not about perfection. And it is not about precision. It is about praise. Yes. And his, he's going to have your picture on his refrigerator with everybody else's. He doesn't care if you're a gold medalist. He doesn't care if you're on point. He doesn't care if you're Michael Flatley or if you're Laura Paget. He doesn't care. He cares that your heart has put the shoes of faith on to move for and with him. And that's what I've always taught my dancers. And I hope to start that ministry over here again. We'll see. It's up to him what he wants. We'll see what he says. <laughs> well, thank you for being open to being used however God wants you to. Yeah. 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 And thank you for coming on the show today. On this the- has been a hoot and a holler. That's what this has been. I've loved it. Thank you. You brought so much joy to my life today. Thank you. you had as much fun as I did listening to Laura as she shared her life and testimony with you. You can find all of her books on Amazon. You can also find her on laurallpaget.com or her blog called Livin' What You're Given. And she sounds like she's doing it very well. If you've enjoyed listening to Moments with Moni, you can find a lot more information on the website at momentswithmoni.com. There'll be background information on each of the podcasts, a way to subscribe, and information to connect in many different ways. Thanks so much for listening.